On March the 15th, 2019, a man walked into the mosque on Dean's Avenue in Christchurch and opened fire on those who were peacefully worshipping. Afterwards, he drove to the mosque on Linwood Avenue and opened fire again. He then got back into his car with the intention of driving to the mosque in Ashburton to do the same thing, but he was intercepted by the police. 51 people died that day in our own city and many others were left with lifelong injuries. They experienced persecution from someone who hated Muslims. Our passage today talks about persecution by those who hated the Christians. So we'll read Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest joined them, dared join them, but the people held them in high honour. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and pallets, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and taught. Now the high priest came and those who were with him and called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. And they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the sentries standing at the doors. But when we opened it, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were much perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but without violence for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and saviour to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 
and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honour by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you do with these men. For before these days, Thutis arose, giving himself out to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, but he was slain, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean arose in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of men, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they bet them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, in the temple and at home, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The more observant among you will notice that that was the passage from last week as well. <laughs> in a, a mix-up, uh, Rod and I had the same passage, but I can assure you it will be completely different. <laughs> in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told the disciples to go out to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. However, the disciples didn't leave Jerusalem until they were forced to by persecution. So it was persecution that led to the fulfillment of that specific command to take the good news to the ends of the earth. Earlier, Peter and John had met with the religious leaders. That meeting had gone well, and the apostles continued to heal people and teach the people. More and more converts to Christianity were added on a daily basis. The church was growing and thriving. But the church didn't cut itself off and isolate itself from the community. It existed in a relationship with the secular world. A church that doesn't interact with the world around it is nothing more than an exclusive country club with perks for the members. When a church actively exists in a relationship with the secular world, the threat and reality of persecution is introduced. And this was the experience of Peter and John and the other apostles. They were persecuted because their popularity and good works were seen as a threat to those who regarded themselves as the leaders and followers of the accepted religious establishments. But these religious leaders did nothing 
to help the common people. So they were not held in high regard by anyone other than themselves. What form did the persecution take? Christians were arrested and banished from communities. They were disowned by their own families. Imprisonment, floggings and beatings featured. Hebrews 11.36 says, some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. The Christians faced dangerous situations as a result of their faith, but they trusted God for the outcome, despite the risks. Sometimes the apostles were miraculously rescued from prison or survived beatings so that they could carry on with their work of proclaiming the good news, as was the case in today's passage. Other times they were persecuted unto death. They died for their cause. Let's take a look at what happened to 12 of the closest apostles. Matthew was beheaded with a sword. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke was hanged in Greece. Peter was crucified in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. The other disciple called James was thrown from a height, then beaten with clubs. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was killed by a spear. Jude was killed with the arrow of an executioner. Only John died of natural causes in his old age, but he'd previously survived torture and was once unsuccessfully boiled in oil. It makes grim reading. Not one of those disciples escaped persecution. Back to our passage. In verses 24 to 26, the disciples, Peter and John, had supposedly been secured and locked, securely locked in a prison cell, but when the authorities went to get them for their court appearance, they had vanished. No one could explain how they got out of the locked cell past those guards. I suspect some of them lost their jobs that day. Peter and John were eventually found in the temple after a tip-off, teaching the people. Notice that they weren't hiding. After being miraculously rescued from the prison by an angel opening the door, they went straight back to what they were doing before. That takes faith and courage. I suspect that some of you would have done what I might have been tempted to do, go into hiding. The disciples weren't filled with fear. It was the chief priests who were filled with fear. Notice that it says in verse 26 that they feared the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Their mistake was that they didn't fear God, who clearly showed that he was at work among the disciples. The chief priests tried to intimidate the disciples by reminding them that they had been strictly commanded not to preach about Jesus. 
the statement in Acts 5.28, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, demonstrates how effective the testimony and message about Jesus was. And Peter boldly responded by sharing the four main points of the gospel. Man's guilt in murdering Jesus, the death of Jesus, paying the price for our sins, the resurrection of Jesus in conquering death, and man's responsibility to respond with repentance. Not surprisingly, this bold little sermon enraged the chief priests and the members of the council. They were furious and plotted to kill the disciples. But then this well-respected leader, Gamaliel, a Pharisee, a rabbi, a teacher of the law, he spoke up to defuse the situation. In verse 38 and 39, he said, if this plan or this undertaking is of men, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. I've always thought that this was fairly wise advice, and it certainly diffused the situation at the time. Those religious leaders did not want to fight against God or seem to be opposing him. They may not have honoured Jesus, but they revered God. They certainly didn't understand all that God was doing through Jesus and failed to see that Jesus was the fulfilment of God's plan of redemption. But I've changed my mind about Gamaliel. Even though he offered wise advice, he was really a fence-sitter. He wanted to wait to see if Jesus and the apostles really were representing God, as others had claimed in the past. But this means that he had ignored all the evidence before him of the teaching and the power of the resurrection. He certainly wasn't claiming to be a believer. However, the chief priest decided it was wise advice, and it was. So they listened to Gamaliel and brought the disciples back in. They gave them a beating and renewed the command not to speak or teach about Jesus again. Then they let them go, no doubt feeling pretty pleased with themselves with their efforts to show everyone who was the boss. They sure hoped that would be the end of the matter. But what followed is the best part of this whole passage. Verses 41 to 42. Then the disciples departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonour for his name. And daily in the temple, they and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. It was a privilege for them to be associated with Jesus, no matter what the cost. They did not cease teaching and preaching despite the dangers and persecution they faced. Is this a challenge for us? we're more likely to face social rejection or mockery than outright persecution for speaking about our faith. Doug told you he waited till the right time to talk to his mum about this. 
But even sometimes the thought of mockery is enough to stop us in our tracks or discourage us from starting some conversations. The disciples had courage and determination which thrived in persecution. Even though Peter experienced so much suffering and persecution, he was able to write these words to encourage other believers. 1 Peter 5, 9. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers is going through the same suffering you are. Peter didn't pray for the suffering and persecution to end. He prayed that they would all remain strong in their faith. The Apostle Paul took a similar view of persecution. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice that Paul doesn't say that he was content with weaknesses and persecutions, as in, I'll have to endure them because I can't do anything about them. No, he says he delights in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. What Paul understood was that our weaknesses are the channels that God uses to display his power. Paul surely didn't enjoy being weak and persecuted. His delight was in the display of God's almighty power in sustaining him through the hard times. In many countries today, Christian believers face similar persecution and social isolation. But when they stand firm in their faith, the church thrives as it did in those early days of church history. No one likes talking about persecution. I have not enjoyed this topic. <laughs> but it's every bit as real today as it was in the time Jesus walked on this earth. This passage reminds us to thank God for the faith of the early disciples who followed the example of Jesus and were faithful despite persecution. And it reminds us to pray earnestly for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world who suffer great persecution for their faith. May we stand strong in our faith and count it a great privilege to be a follower of Jesus, no matter what the cost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story. It is painful reading, but we know that it is true that the disciples were so strong in their faith that they trusted you no matter what the cost was to their lives. 
And we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world that you will give them great courage, increase their faith as they stand strong in persecution. And bless us as we learn to stand up for our faith, to start conversations, to be guided by you, to spread the good news wherever we are. Amen.